You're listening to the Driven by Design Awards Wrap. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design. This is episode 13, and joining me again is Kirsten Mann. I didn't think I was meant to be here this week. You had some alternative giant in. Kirsten, <laughs> this week we're introducing something new, which is about belonging. Right. And obviously I must have felt like I was missing you then. Right. Well, that's a, that's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. So, um, so Kirsten, we're going to talk about this theme around belonging. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because when we got to the very last project in our pre-discussion, we realised that there was something that was a thread throughout all of these projects, but it also had to go do with work that you've been doing in the last week and a bit, and also what I've been doing. Yeah, and it's, um, I've been going through performance reviews. <laughs> so it's ultimately when you're reflecting on how your team's tracking and, and the people who are working, you're working with, there comes this theme of belonging, and it's really important that um, people are able to articulate why that's important to them and and what it means to belong and we've kind of been we go through that with our performance discussion so it's it's quite intense now Kirsten I've got to admit I have absolutely no idea how a performance review works <laughs> because I've worked in small business or I've, I've been you know employing other people for, for a long time right um, but but my take on the performance review is that you've got an opportunity for a snapshot of where the employee's up to. You've also got a snapshot for where the company is up to in a cycle, which is an inevitable cycle, which is at some point every staff member stops working at a company. Mm-hmm. And it's making sure that the staff member that's with you, is, that they've got a sense of belonging, they're aligned to the mission, that the culture is not actually wearing on them, and that, and that they're culturally aligned for where the rest of the cohort is going as well. And I, I think it's recognising there's a lot of individual motivations in that as well, where, you know, people, for me, a performance review is it's an opportunity to stop and kind of reflect on what, because we're all busy, right? There's always a hundred things on, but kind of stop and reflect on the great stuff you've done um, during that period that we often forget about. But also, you know, what's what's important for you? In, if we're having this discussion in six months' time, what would you want to have achieved during that time? Because goals and, and drive is important for all of us. So that's a key part. But again, for me, there should be no surprises in any of these discussions, right? And if there are, then you're not doing regular enough feedback, in my view. There shouldn't, somebody shouldn't be sitting there and saying, this is the first time I've heard any of these things. But, th- but that goes with all forms of relationships. Completely. Surprises are an indication that either empathy or communication hasn't been in place. Yeah. One or the other. Completely. And, you know, if I got a dollar for every time I use the word empathy, I'd be actually probably about where I am now. Because right. I, I seem to use it in every <laughs> sentence. So empathy empathy is a very important thing, but it's actually those surprises that, that then come around. They also can actually come because something I've found with having team members over the years is Normally, when we're talking about issues around the business, there's probably somebody else who's not in the room, which is a family member, a family situation, and that dynamic's changed. Mm -hmm. And it's how do we work out that we're actually doing something which gives the work-life balance as considerate of the circumstances they're in, their goals and aspirations as a couple may have changed, and that's going to be a really important thing, but they're not necessarily surprises. If you've got continual communication, that's not the sort of thing that comes up necessarily in a work review. 
No. But it, it's the relationship aspect and it's p knowing people at a level where there's this concept called radical candor. Have you heard about that? And it's, it's essentially that you've got a relationship that's found, founded in trust and that you know that person on, the, on almost like a personal level so you can have com open conversations. And that's really critical. And how do you have that? It's, it's getting to know somebody and what their motivations are and what their life is about and what's important to them. So all of that should come out, I think, and just be um, part of that discussion in those performance reviews. And I suppose one of the great things at the end of it, after you've gone through it, is then looking at, well, what do we have to go do for the design culture in the organisation so that we're actually continuing to do amazing things for our customers, which mm -hmm. is why Aconex is here, but then also working out how are you doing things that are going to get both the company's alignment of their goals and also the goals of the individual. So you've got a bit of homework to do. You'll probably be even doing that next week, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, we're going to head off and we're going to have a look at some projects here, but not before we go have a little bit of a chat about about GovHack. Right, and so you attended that on the weekend? I did. I went to GovHack on the weekend, and I, and I would have to say I believe that we've been through peak hack. And so my perspective is that, you know, we saw in 2014, and I peg February 2014 as the date that Silicon Valley stopped being tech-driven and became um, design-driven. And I still see hacks turning around and actually being tech events, not design events. Mm -hmm. and so what I found interesting at, at GovHack was that people were coming to display the way that they could stand up a domain or how they could go write some cascading style sheets or how they could go do something, which was a technical expression. But issues in government aren't necessarily about can we take a data set and do something with it, they're going to be more about how do we solve a human-centred problem. And what I found interesting as a coach in that process was I'd go in and I'd talk to the teams and say, well, what's the human-centred problem that you're solving? And we get to there was a human-centred problem. But all of them, after, after about half, of, half a dozen of those sessions checking with them, all of them had come back to no, we've decided not to go do that. We've redefined the, the solution because I've got a set of data in front of me and if I present that set of data, I think I'm going to get a pat on the back rather than turning around and saying, maybe there's a gap, we don't have the data. Maybe we don't have an understanding of what needs to be done here. And it was more that the process of the hack was demanding a result say repackaging up some data with some controls on a page was a way to go do that. And so, actually, some tech crap was what was coming out rather than human-centred design. And I'm wondering why so many government departments funded something that would be unacceptable behaviour if it was actually somebody pr providing them with work. We know that this attitude doesn't work. We know that you've got to have human-centred design. The algorithm only takes you so far. That stopped in 2014. To be, to be honest, I was surprised mm -hmm. at where it was. And then I got thinking about it, being a, how do we actually correct this? So I'm planning for next year's GovHack to go get a posse of 30 or 40 service designers, and we're going to flood the place. <laughs> I think it sounds like okay. a brilliant idea. And then by flooding the place, we can turn around and say, well, here's actually the projects that came through a human-centered design process. Here are the people who actually do this for a living. Because the last thing we really need at a GovHack is another cybersecurity expert. What we need is people who are trying to work out how to solve problems, not how to go repackage up technical information. 
And it's it's in this day and age, you think, how can this still happen? Right? And it does. And I was speaking to a friend the other day who's working, who's doing some work with um, a government organisation, I won't say who, and they've created a portal and spent a lot of money on a government portal, and now they're saying nobody's coming and using it. And <laughs> you, you know the great thing is, that is possibly the safest statement that you could make. I, because often when people say, oh, I can't tell you who it is, and they tell you the story, you go, oh, we know, that's them. Right. But if you've turned around and talked about a government department that's created a, a, a portal that nobody's using, I've got about 49 government departments I've got to think about. <laughs> so it's, but it's crazy, right? Like, it doesn't have to be like that in this day and age. And what they've discovered is the millennials that is, this is targeted for and not going to engage with this online portal that's very, you know, browser heavy. It hasn't been designed from a mobile responsive perspective. Any of those things, they're on their mobiles, they're wanting to SMS. None of those kind of considerations have been taken into place. So none of that research, none of that thinking was done up front. And, and again, it's just frustrating. I think it doesn't have to be this way. You know, all of the NES console games are now available in a, in a smartphone version, yet we're still getting people making non responsive design government portals. In some ways, it's negligent, but trying to find out the person who is responsible for that negligent decision is the hardest part. But let's not talk about what isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, let's always talk about what can be, well, what is fantastic, okay? Because <laughs> that's actually why, why people are listening to us here. So our first project that we're looking at here is Muse. Right, so this one, was it, this was another interesting one where I, we've had a number of this week where we're, we're between two minds, I think. Um, and really what these guys were doing were tr saying, well, how do you create an innovative co-working space? And so that's kind of the challenge that they've had and what they've tried to tackle. But for me, there was something a bit missing from this environment, I've got to admit. So I took the very charitable side of what was missing here and I, and I took the perspective that what's missing is just not detailed in the in, in the project. Mm. Of course, if you want to go make a space which is which has quick attachment, but to have an enduring attachment to make sure there's a sense of belonging, there's got to be a culture in a co-working space. Completely, and, and I, it, for me, it was um, I'd recently listened to a fantastic um, podcast about WeWork. And I think it was Miguel McCleavery from in, in Brooklyn had started that. And it was in there, How I Built This Podcast. And so it was one of the first co-working spaces that was in Brooklyn. And it was all about connection and being belonging to an area, not just that I need a place to work. And I, I feel in this one that they've taken the, we're kind of going to create a sexy place for people to work, but I think the connection and the belonging aspect is missing from that. Yeah, and and so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the very charitable um, perspective that there must be a similar level of deafness to creating the culture inside this co-working space because they've done a beautiful a, a beautiful execution when it comes to the style. Mm. If I walked in there, I'd say, "Hey, this actually feels fantastic. I like to be there." What's absent is the expression of how they're building community for the people who are going to go be, uh, be in it. But um, look, I think the team here at Toast Creative have done a great job and it would be fantastic if they follow us up and actually um, have a bit of a conversation about how they did put in those other aspects or maybe that's the client and, uh, and that that's, wasn't part of their brief. Mm. So it was left out because it wasn't created here. That's also something which I think, uh, which hasn't spoken well of the project. Yeah. But I can't imagine that that hasn't been done today. 
<laughs> well, next next we're going to Dropbox um, and their Sydney office, and they've they've done some beautiful spaces. I think this just looks like a a chic professional service firm, and and they've used these beautiful materials, and being wood being one of them, which just creates this interest and like this instant warmth. I think so. I, I love it whenever I see wood in environments. Well, you know, you know, Ivor was infected with wood when I was about twenty five, and <laughs> and then I wound up having wooden boats for uh, you know twenty plus years. I'm I'm a wood sucker. It, yeah. it it. But what's great here is that these are really adult environments. Mm. For an organisation that's not trying to be a garage brand, these are very serious people. They're trying to go create serious tools. And when I go look at some of the some of the products that they've got, I look at say Dropbox Paper. Dropbox Paper is like Google Docs that a designer made nice. Mm. Mm. Their offices here that the team at Gensler have put together is an example of that as well. It's like it doesn't have to feel post-industrial no. shabby. This is gorgeous. I'd, I'd actually feel like I was an adult working in this space. And it's recognised the importance of the employee experience. It's it, you would want to work in this environment. And you know that sense of belonging. A big issue for everybody. And we spoke about it. You know, we've been doing your staff reviews. We know there's the arc of the employee's life cycle. If you've got a twenty or thirty percent churn, then you're in hell. Because you've got to go think about it that you know one in three staff aren't with you over a 12-month journey. You're spending all your time actually replenishing the staff, bringing in beautiful facilities, having a culture inside your organisation that is not wearing on the team, listening to them, giving them agency, making sure that they're able to turn around and actually excel. That's what a great company is about. And I think Dropbox have done a lot to go bring that to the fore. Definitely. So where are we off to now? So I think we we're off to Unispace in so, Sydney. So Unispace. Now, have you, I reckon Unispace must almost eat, drink and sleep Aconex products. Because <laughs> being in, when I go look at the types of clients that Unispace have, if they don't actually, you know, you could put a blindfold on like Jason Bourne, they could tell you Aconex instructions. You know, <laughs> I, I, they've, got to, they've got to love you guys. But the, this is all about... How do you go make an office space which is an example of this is what we might recommend for our clients, but it's also how we work. It's, and that's the, they've led by example. So they would be able to bring a client into this environment. The client would be able to understand immediately the type of environment they would get by working with these guys. And so it's a beautiful showcase. And you know all of the efficiencies and leverage that comes out for, for their clients, that's what they've got inside their own space. I must say, I've now I'm a bit torn over which which office I'm going to see if I can use for a day when I'm in Sydney first. <laughs> You've I've got now a few got choices. look. I've got to go to Sydney for about a week so I can actually go into some of these beautiful workspaces. But I'll definitely be trying to um, drop in here. You might not um, be coming back up to be here in Dropbox, I think. Well, yes, yeah, so I'm a day in Dropbox, a, drop, a day in Unispace, but you know we'll keep moving on. Now, our next project we're off to is a beautiful site, the connection at Rhodes. Um, are you familiar with the Rhodes area? I wasn't until I looked at this, okay. but again, it's your favourite term in use here, Brownsfields. <laughs> Look, I, I must say that I'm equally disposed to a Greenfields as I am to a Brownfield site, okay? So don't, don't pick on me about my site terminology. So this one's on the doorstep of Sydney Olympic Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually, it, so there was a whole area in Sydney which was the arms of the Parramatta River and heading up towards Parramatta that were, they'd been industrial sites 
And if you think an industrial site that, uh, that um, became fallow around about the 1970s and 1980s, you're thinking toxic sludge, you're thinking no reason for people to go living there, there's repatriation of the land. It's just not going to be a nice space. No. And I know as a kid growing up, I'd look at rivers and waterways and go, you don't want to go there, you only want to be in open water because they weren't nice places. That's changed. So the river's um, now been repatriated, it's been uh, restored. The um, housing estates that are around it are gorgeous. But what was missing for this, the city of Canada Bay, they didn't have a facility that actually celebrated the peninsula space that there is here at Rhodes. And this looks like a, a, a really fantastic, innovative space that the government, the local governments created them. Yeah, it is. And, and so it's one of those examples of, let's make sure that we've got spaces that keeps you here rather than getting you to go circulate around everywhere else. Mm. And that idea of actually you know, living and working and not commuting too far is a great thing because you're likely to ride your bike, you're likely to walk to this place. The more we can get people to go do things at a human traffic level rather than machine traffic level, the better off every city is. Awesome, awesome project here. Um, I think I might actually take another trip down the Parramatta River and see if I can um, <laughs> stop here on the ferry. You're going to have a busy week in Sydney. Well, you know, that, that might be what I do on the weekend because I'm a little bit of a nerd, yeah? I do like being out on the water. Well, next we're going to go to the AHRI rebranding now, project. AHRI means absolutely nada, but I've got a feeling there's an A, so then we're yep. going to say that's Australia. HR, I'm going for that uh, human resources. And I reckon if I was going um, bingo here, I'd go I is Institute. How did I go? I think you're pretty good at that, the Australian HR Institute. Fantastic (laughs) here. So so this project here is done by the team at Traffic. Right. And they've been around for a while. Look, Traffic to me, I absolutely adore Traffic because Traffic is a contemporary but good old-fashioned brand shop. And so in their portfolio, haven't they got like a lot of real estate agents and things oh, like actually, Jealous? Actually, you could almost go through, the t- you could go through the majority of the top real estate agents in, in Victoria and their brands have been done by the team of traffic. There's some other work that we were speaking about recently in the podcast was about Thomas the Jewelers mm-hmm. that have been done by traffic. They make brands just, if, if you want to have a brand where everyone looks at it and says, I can tell you that's a corporate brand, mm-hmm. these guys do it incredibly well. And this is really contemporary as well. It is. And, and I think, you know, I hate to say it, but a HR institute probably isn't the most exciting place. <laughs> okay, they're coming from a different mindset than a lot of graphic designers might be, but they've done some beautiful work yeah, here. And it's given some levity. It's also given authority that's in here. Beautiful, beautiful piece of work. I can't can't say anything about it. I love the guys at Traffic. Well, I, I want to jump right into the next one because this is the one I'm most excited about. Okay. I've got to oh, say. I know. Like, this, say. Is, this is your Alice in Wonderland. So, so listeners, for those of you that don't that they haven't had the chance to meet Kirsten, <laughs> Kirsten, oh, is, Kirsten is somebody who more often than not, I see a post on Facebook and she's dressed up in some form of costume. <laughs> So the idea of a property development, which is about fantasy and Alice in Wonderland, I just think this has you written all over it. It, it does, and even more. This was this Central Park was actually built on Aconex, so it's got an immediate connection to me. Um, I, I loved looking at this project when it was being done. And so what they've done is that they built the various stages, and then we're in the process of selling the residential parts. 
And so they'd got to a certain stage and said, oh, how do we, how do we sell this final lot? And how do we, we created this buzz initially. How do we get that energy around the campaign again? And so there's this, I love it. You've got to look at the website for this because there's a beautiful video and photos, but they took an angle which was quite potentially risky, but very clever, where they capitalized on the Alice in Wonderland story and brought that to the Central Park. Yeah, and, and we know that these big life investments or big life purchases, that they're, we try to turn them into rational considerations, but we always know it's the non-rational that talks Completely. to us. There's all emotion in this. The, the non-rational think... <laughs> emotion. And the idea of if you've got a site where, oh yes, it's got so many pubs, it's got so many shopping centres, it's got this amount of grass, it's all that, all that rational stuff to create an opportunity where people can say, I want to go there because it stimulates my imagination. It feels fun, it's safe, it's exotic. I think that's a fantastic solution. And I think Fraser Properties have had a fantastic project delivered to them by the team here at Hoyne, who as far as a project marketers for property project marketing, I just see them as being, you know, they're the Usain Bolt of project property marketing. I love and those guys. It proves also that you can have these wonderful, creative, innovative concepts and still make a shitload of money. <laughs> so they, I think they a did shed a shedload of money. I think, I think our friends <laughs> in North me. America heard a shedload of money there the, because we don't cuss on this podcast. Okay, so we don't cuss. Uh, well, I think it was 140 million in sales when they launched. Then and that's that is impressive. one hell of a shedload of money, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I think they've done a really great job here. And as we know, the site just rocks. Now, I'm going off to bed. You're going to have a snooze. I'm off to off here to snooze the e-commerce site. Now, I believe you're, you've previously been a customer. Of I'm snooze. a snoozer, so I've purchased a number of beds actually from Snooze, and yeah. so this was straight away. I was like, "Ooh, this is a bit now, interesting." Now, you were telling me about the first bed you bought at Snooze, which when it, when you got at home. Maybe it didn't fit and it wasn't 100% as you expected. Yeah, well, it was really interesting because we'd gone for a harder mattress, which is always, oh, we've got to have firmness. Got it home and couldn't sleep. <laughs> so I thought, oh, is there something wrong with the bed? Is there something wrong with the mattress? And rang up snooze and that's quite a critical point for them right so suddenly this customer isn't happy they've spent a fair bit of money on this bed and they're saying look i don't think we've we want this um and what did they do they sent out a, a bed technician hang on hang on a bed technician a bed technician came out who looked very professional <laughs> it was probably somebody they got off the street but he looked professional no, not no, actually not at all because yeah, so i know a bit about the bedding market and for them to have to go and take that, that mattress back from you, it has a cascading set of expenses because from a health regulations perspective, the bed can't go back into stock. Right. So therefore, Disposing there's disposal. In. Transportation. S transportation, time, all of that. Yeah. They're going to send out to somebody who knows how to go make a bed perform if the bed isn't quite right. If it was a 100% wrong selection, I'm sure they'd take it back. But their opportunity here is to send the gun to make sure that the gun's going to make it work for you. And, and, and it worked. And so that's actually where, where this online work comes in too. Because when you've got people who are coming into a store, You've got two choices, which is that we've, we've said very little to you about, uh, say, a pre-visitation experience. So when you come in, you're pretty dry, which means we have to bring you up in up to speed with all the considerations. Or I can give you a fantastic responsive experience. And that responsive experience, whether you're on your phone or on your iPad or on, on a desktop, 
is going to help you choose, select, so you're an informed, empowered consumer. I think this is a beautiful piece of work that Snooze have had done by the time it gets started. Obviously it's working, they're very happy with it. I must say, I don't need a bed at the moment, but I know where to go if I do. <laughs> and you'll know there'll be a technician to follow if you're not Look, happy. <laughs> I, I must say, unlike people who make, say, rash choices, I've never needed to have a bed technician come right. out of it. <laughs> so, so there we go. So, so let's get into this project here. So Ooh, the, the primary plastic rebrand. Okay, so tell me, are you are you having some uh, some plastic rejection? What's going on here? So the Primaplast rebrand, um, I this is you know they've got a rebranding expression, but for me in looking at this and, and watching the video and everything, I've got to say I was a bit underwhelmed, and I, I know I'm meant to be, hey, everything is awesome, but there just for me there was no human connection, there was no context, and I really wasn't any wiser at the end of it what these guys were really all about. So you're probably going to be a lot <laughs> kinder than I am, but Look, I'm, I'm I was not, underwhelmed. I'm not sure if it's about being kinder. I think this is actually a matter of of saying, you know, this project, they've talked about connection. They've talked about that there's a change of context that's happened in, in the market. And from that point of view, I think what they've done is that they've gone to the team at Sonnet and said, there's something which has changed and we need to we need to change our context with our customers. Operations wise it's changed, the logistics have changed, but we want to actually recreate a connection which is we are a value add partner, but that's pretty hard to go mm. talk about. So I think they've chosen the device which is actually we're going to talk about connections. Right. And they're leaving <laughs> it up which is, they're not expecting their um, say motion graphics or their print to go deliver this because these sorts of trade relationships exist human to human mm. and i think and that's what's what's not coming through and it's i'm, I'm interested in what primer plus has done to incorporate human-centered design in the culture of their organization not just in this brand um, and and so one of the things that we see with project submissions is that there are project submissions which are about celebrating their client and then they talk about that whole connection story and there are project submissions which are about patting ourselves on the back. I think this might be an example where the team at Sonnet hadn't spent enough time to go talk about what they did for the client mm -hmm. to celebrate the client's courage in the project. Yep. But when you look at it, they've nailed it i think they've been a, maybe not as as good in expressing how they how they impacted their clients world and they may not have spent enough time actually having that dialogue with the client they might have got in done some design for them and cleared it out through the studio don't know but i reckon after us talking on the podcast about it the team at sonnet are going to actually let us know the other side of the story there <laughs> and finally we've got the darwin challenge now again, we've left the two controversial ones to last, haven't we, on this time? Okay, so the Darwin challenge here. So, so I must say, when I, when I saw this and I began to get into it, I, I didn't know if this was actually um, like fake news and a fake project because right. there's some parts of it that so didn't resonate with me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was somebody actually doing a spoof. So just to give context about what this is about, it's um, so it's a movement, it's a non-for-profit movement, it's the Darwin Challenge, and they're about inspiring individuals to make small changes in their behaviour, and they essentially want them to encourage people to pledge one meat-free meal a week. 
is kind of their aim. Um, and saying that will drive an improvement in personal health and the welfare of animals and the health of the planet. Now, but when you look at this project, it just felt like, to me, like it was just using technology for technology's sake. Okay. So, so let, let's eat this elephant yeah. one, one <laughs> bite at the time. Probably the wrong term on a meat-free project. <laughs> let's, let's eat this piece of corn one bite at the time. Okay. So as far as if you're trying to go deliver a project, a digital project, and you're trying to co-opt a cohort of people to engage with you, and it's going to be a longitudinal engagement, we know the worst thing that you can do is build your own app. Mm -hmm. okay? Apps which, which have high utility and high transactional functionality struggle to exist for more than, more than two weeks. If they get to two months, that's a miracle. Yeah. Okay? Unless there's something that I have to do every day. Yep. Turning around and making this a Facebook strategy where we know there's a cohort out there, or making it an Instagram strategy, so a channel where we know people already are, giving people a chance to share, giving them a chance not to shame, but to encourage. So that's bulletproof. Yeah, and it, it's also to that. I mean, it's also identifying what are you trying to do? So are you trying to bring a cohort together of vegetarians, or are you in trying to encourage meat eaters to do this. Okay, so this you is know, the second bite this of that is the corn cob. Second bite. Okay, the <laughs> second bite of the corn cob the next row. is from a strategy perspective, I if I was a member of this uh, of this community and I believed that it was the right thing to encourage more meat-free days, I've got a problem here that in a short period of time the expectation and the experience won't match so there'll be dissatisfaction. If the expectation was joined together so that we can then show what, how many meat-free days are already existing in the market from the people who are already in this community. That would make sense. Great. Yep. Then let's go out and do the storming part mm -hmm. where, we, where we now say, see how many meat-free days that you can encourage your omnivores or your meatitarians to go do. Mm. Then we're getting somewhere because I've set up an experience and expectation which I can deliver on, but we're going to get this, you know, shock, which is, oh, it's only vegetarians who actually are involved with this. I haven't seen anybody else adopt, which doesn't mean that the pursuit is wrong. I think it's actually a discussion here around the strategy mm. and the execution. Completely. So the reason for the podcast is talking about design from the demand side. From the demand side, I want to see strategies, I want to see culture, and then I want to see executions. I've got a feeling that the team here at Principles, they've done some beautiful work. From a craft yeah, perspective, from a creative perspective, I, it's spot craft, I've got to say, it's great. Yeah. But as far as creating that sense of belonging, the sense of purpose, and then having a longer term mission, I'm not sure that this project actually is well set hmm. to go on that journey without having a few bumps along the way. Yeah, and I think the fact that you thought it might be a spoof <laughs> stalks them out well, as well. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, think, I, said, I think they're serious. I'm Sorry. serious, and, and you know, uh, that's, that's just the way it is. But, but we, we've gone a little bit longer than we normally would. We have. Nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing about digital media. There are no bounds. But as always, I've got to go thank a couple of people. I've got to go thank our supporters. And in particular, I need to just give this huge thanks to all of the people who have participated in the Melbourne Design Awards, 
the Sydney Design Awards, we've actually broken records in both of those programs across a range of dimensions. And it just shows me that the idea of actually celebrating design in your city is, is it just works. And so I've got to go thank the people there, but there's some people who really help us in big chunks. That this week are the team at Traffic, Gensler, Unispace, Get Started and Principles. They've been with us on the long haul. They're fantastic champions of, of it, but everybody in the community driven by design is important. And Kirsten, obviously, I can't do this without you. <laughs> or maybe sometimes. <laughs> well, I can't do it without you. Um, if, I don't if I don't have my design giant, it just doesn't work. I, I'm, I know I, I sometimes say to you, look, we, we've got a week off, but I love doing those with you. And thank you for being in our first time that we've taken a theme about belonging. I feel like I belong here. I think you do too. <laughs> We're Audience, the thank you very much. And as always, be driven by design.